This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 364, Slimy Bots. Hello and welcome to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. This is one of your co-hosts, Michael Martin, who is um, excited to be here today, I guess. I have had to kind of take stock of where I was. Um, well, we'll see how the other co-hosts are feeling as <laughs> or we, if you're excited to be we here. go around to talk to them, too. You never know. They may be excited or not. Uh, and Michael, um, how are you today? I, I am I am just peachy keen and happy whiz bang spiffy. Uh, glad to be here on uh, GamesAtWork.biz with uh, our friend and co-host Andy Piper. Hey, Andy. Hello, Michael's both. Um, I am just um, examining a screenshot that Michael Rowe shared just before we started recording to figure out how come his software is newer than mine. It's because he's upgraded to Audio Hijack version four. What? On Michael and I are stuck back on version 3.x so um that's how he's got a blue button and we've both got red buttons yeah so we were comparing which color button to press gosh but i figured it out i figured it out should we stop i mean i i feel like no 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 michael michael's obliged to immediately upgrade now michael will just sound better than us (laughs) i I guess that's how it's gonna work the rest of the show as he always does (laughs) with that blue button that's what goes on um, well, mm-hmm. to start things off, um, we're happy to announce on uh, this April 1st here that we are not canceled. Um, <laughs> we we are going to continue podcasting. And we're announcing that on April 1st. That's yeah, brilliant. Isn't it good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's believable for everybody. That's, you can trust us. That's when we're yep. recording the show. Well, it's after, it's after noon in both the UK and the US as we're recording. So we can't be making a joke at this point, right? That, I think that's how it works. Right. Or, or technically, and you won't hear it till next week anyway. But, so. but E3 <laughs> is canceled, according to this article that we have here in front of us, uh, which um, is just been mortifying for all three of us because we've never ever been to an E3 before, and I guess we won't be going this year either. <laughs> I thought they were going to do a, a virtual one, and they, I guess, they gave up. Well, I think they were going to do both, weren't they? They were going to do, a, um, or they're going to do. They were going to do it in person, and then they said they were going to do a digital one, and then they cancelled. I thought there was going to be like a both a, the the digital and a, uh, I, don't well, know I guess people one. would actually have to be in person to record the stuff that would be distributed digitally. <laughs> it's not like they're bots. No, it's well, not. Well, they, they, they're claiming that next, uh, they're claiming that 2023 is going to do an online and in person version, but. It seems like a lot of these big shows, um, I mean, I know CES did come back this year, but barely. Um, and obviously yeah. it was what didn't happen for a year or so. And um, I think a lot of the big shows are, certainly have been struggling over the last, certainly obviously for during the pandemic, but I think a lot of them have been struggling generally with just scale and, you know, continued expectations. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yep. So our show... But, but- is is not cancelled as as we've said before. It's not cancelled uh, uh, unless it's still virtual. Uh, unless though. <laughs> somehow <laughs> by the by the time you're hearing this, you know you don't hear it anymore. In which case, we are cancelled. But I don't think we're cancelled. Um, we're going to talk a whole bunch yep. about bots today, 
And there are several intriguing articles, starting off with one on a Get a Mini, Get a Mini, G I T A Mini, um, which is a little following robot that we've actually have talked about on the show once before, but we have a uh, an article behind a paywall. So sorry for for that from the Wall Street Journal about how this particular robot practically works in real life. And a common theme for me across the stories that we're going to be talking about today is that robots are going to be showing up more and more and more in our daily life. So this particular journalist had a get a mini robot, which is ostensibly something that helps you carry around goods. It's like a small cooler uh, that you can put things into, and then it will scan for your legs and then follow you as you go about your daily business uh, at a few steps behind you, uh, maneuvering around obstacles as best as it can. And uh, the experience of this particular journalist, which I thought was was intriguing, um, was how other people reacted to her and this little R2-D2-esque robot that's kind of zipping around behind her. Uh, oftentimes stopping her to ask her if she knows she's being followed, <laughs> which. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about the Gita Mini is that uh, it th- they talk about how much it can hold from a, a weight perspective. I'm more worried about volume, right? Because, you know, it could be 20 pounds in a six by six by six cube, sure. right? It looks like it may be not even a, a one foot cubed area, right? I think the whole thing may be that big. Uh, and so, I, I mean, could you really carry your laptop, multiple laptops, plus, 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 right? And and the mini versus the, the, the full-size Jita, um, it, it appears, is, is only eight pounds different. Which is so, a third, well, so yeah, you're going down from nearly 30 pounds to 20 pounds. I mean, you know, in, in, in volume and, and, and size. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the capacity as well. It doesn't seem hugely, um, the, the specific, specifically the smaller one doesn't seem um, particularly useful to me, probably, um, depending on what I'm, where, I'm, where I am and what I'm doing. I can only, I've only been able to read the uh, introduction to this article. Uh, I haven't listened to the whole thing. But uh, it's interesting that it's it kicks off uh, talking about how the the, the journalist walk, went out for a walk and different people stopped to talk because there was this little case rolling along behind uh, a couple of feet away. So it's uh, it's curious how they've done it. Also, the the way that they've um, got the, the the camera array on there so that it does move along at a respectful distance behind you. But you know, I mean, it, it's behind you, so. Yeah. Well, I have to wonder about crowds, right? You know, if this were in a crowd and you're trying to get from one place to another, would it be able to still track on your legs as it paired to right. your legs? Uh, you know, so that's a trick. And maybe you could do that with other, you know, uh, uh, content sharing with your phone or other devices. So it but, knows you. Well, we know that we know that, you know, there's fingerprint recognition and face recognition. So there's obviously back of leg recognition that can track reliably based on, uh, on on a person's leg leg shape format and walk and gait you can always make sure that it's uh, it's locked onto you so i don't think we should worry about that <laughs> 
and I'm wondering what type of uh, notification gives you if somebody picks it up. I mean, yeah. it is small. It's yeah. fairly lightweight. You know, someone can pick and run. Um, and and I was trying to remember the names of the droids on Star Wars that it reminded me of. I guess are, were they mouse droids? Mm-hmm. Those little ones that just yeah. drove around and they looked like they had no value. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mouse droids. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So. But interesting. Yep. It, it's um, it's one of one of several. So we've got a couple of other of these that we're going to touch on here briefly. So that the next one is uh, one that is a drone delivery system. So the article that caught my attention here was that you could get your bur- burrito, for example, delivered via a flying drone and then dropped to you. So there's a um a partnership with the parent corporation for chilies, Maggianos, and and other things like this that will use a flying drone to bring you your burrito. And to me, that's like, okay. Uh, It's another way and a place where you might see these kind of robots in real practical life. You see, given the day that we're recording on, I keep going back and checking the date of some of these stories because it turns out that they are a day or two you know previous in the week so in theory they're not they're not a joke but um yeah this is um this company evidently the startup that's delivering the doing the drone delivery of for example burritos as they as they use that's the example they use here um does say that they're already uh operating in north carolina mm-hmm. evidently um so maybe uh, one of you gentlemen can can test this out and over the weekend perhaps i order a pizza and have it delivered by drone uh, but then uh, it's expanding to texas so you know this 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 gets me I, and 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 i've heard that example the burrito delivery multiple times with these drone based and other delivery services the the cost of delivering a burrito <laughs> is just insane i i don't understand why people want Burrito delivery. What's so great about? I mean, I like. I had a burrito at lunch today. As a matter of fact, it wasn't delivered, mm-hmm. right? We we made it ourselves. But it, it just seems like a completely inappropriate use of that technology. So, um, can, so for they- for you know, I can see the use of you know life saving drugs, uh, you know critical parts on a supply chain in order to keep the line moving. You know all these things. I don't know why we keep going back to burritos well, they- from the standpoint of burrito delivery because it's a inexpensive food and you should not be putting high-tech expensive technology into the delivery and if you're telling me that these things are going to be so ubiquitous and so cheap that it is cost effective this is um, i i I just don't see it so let's talk let's very quickly talk through the bullet points here so they're operating with chilies little italy and uh just wings and italian italian classics right so they the uh the employees of the uh of the drone company, uh, work in the parking lot, um, clip the clip the the food bag, which can be up to six point six pounds, to the uh, the drone delivery. Uh, clip the bag to a cable, load it into the drone delivery box. The drone flies autonomously, which must be within a mile, um, while a trained drone operator monitors it. So that's a person, another person operating it. Um, so you've had a couple of humans involved already. Uh, and then the drone hovers at eight, about 80 feet, which seems pretty high to me, uh, lowers the bag to the ground and releases the clip. The customers never yeah. interact directly with the drone. 
Um, I I think this is hilarious. So, and that's so, why so I you said got this I burrito dropped on your lawn. Right. right. <laughs> you, you get a burrito dropped on your lawn, right? Uh, if you like a little extra you know, fiber because it hits the grass you just mowed, it gets in the bag. <laughs> Thinking about the, the whole Institute of the Future, Jane McGonigal kind of work, and one of the things that she's done personally is some investigation around drones and how drones operate and work. And I know, Michael, you've done that too. Her, her perspective was, mm-hmm. you know, what could you do? So you're right. Is a burrito the right use case? Maybe not. Wings? Okay, maybe that's a different thing. They're flying anyway, right? You know, so uh, envisioning what the future is going to look like and seeing and expecting how these kinds of things are not going to be unique or novel, they're going to be all over the darn place, right? And the cost... I just... From from this article, the one that's more critical, I think, is the, the robotic bartender, right? I think that's a better example. <laughs> Why would you say than that? Flying Why burritos. Would you say that? Even though there, there's a musical group called the Flying Burrito Brothers, if I remember correctly. Uh, I, why don't I think the bartender one's better? Precision. Precision and accuracy, you get a consistent experience and a consistent drink. And it's something you can have at a bar, it's a single location. The arms can reach any person and any position on the bar itself. Uh, that one, it makes sense. And you don't end up adding three or four people to monitor the delivery of a burrito. <laughs> well, that's right? today, right? That's today. The AI that's required to keep track of these sort of things will get better. And the reason why there are people involved is you want to make sure someone doesn't throw like a net over your expensive drone and decide that they're going to take it. To steal that burrito. <laughs> or the drone itself. I think they, I was going to say they're probably more interested in the drone than the uh, the burrito, but it could be a very good burrito. Um, I, I, uh, it would have to be. I just took delivery actually this week of Jane McGonagall's new book that came out on the 24th um, called Imaginable, mm-hmm. um, How to See the Future Coming and Be Ready for Anything. So I actually bought, uh, I, I typically buy ebooks these days, um, but I actually bought the, the this one in her previous book, um, hard copy. Um, so I'm looking forward to sitting down and, and going through those in the... Yeah, my local bookstore notified me they have my copy available as yesterday, Andy. So I'm like, nice. I'm very, very excited about picking that up as well. So it'll be super cool stuff. Um, all right, so let's let's move to th- something that's slimy, um, and we have a, a tweet from the New Scientist about a robot made of magnetic slime. So there's a little bit of a video that's well worth taking a, a gander at, if you will. Um, the design point for this is that it can squeeze and morph kind of ferret-like, for those of you familiar with how ferrets can get under a door jam or something like that, um, and go through very tiny spaces encircle objects and remove them or connect things that need to be connected. Um, I, I was intrigued when I saw this and the, the this is really the, the, the tweet's quite nice because it has just a sort of 50 second video right. um, demonstrating the, the movement and how this thing can work. Um, the, the new scientist article obviously goes into a lot more detail. Um, it's kind of a cheat in that it's not exactly a robot. It's uh, it's like a ferrous type liquid that can be manipulated externally with magnets to make it move in an interesting way that might be useful in an you know inside of the, inside of a body um, as an example. Um, but um, it is pretty clever, uh, pretty clever stuff by the looks of it. It's 
you know, it's yet to be seen how effective it could be to actually um, do useful things beyond the sort of things that they illustrate, none of which are working with other organic materials. They're all working with, you know, um, solid objects. Um, so yeah. I'm curious to see um, how it works out. In fact, I'm looking at the tweet and um, Twitter is showing me um, my friends who have interacted with it first. Um, so I'm seeing um, a few people that uh, that have interacted and say, saying how cool it is. Um, yeah. Bit of a cheat, but, but very cool. Um, very, very neat if it works and if they can demonstrate it, especially in... You know, a medical or an emergency type situation. Yeah, I think I think it's a good use of material science, mm -hmm. right, to figure mm -hmm. out how to do something. I I, I think the the robot aspect, Andy, as you pointed out, is is misleading. Uh, you may use robot robotic controls to manipulate it because you want again precise control as you're you know going through a human body, as an example, or through some other. Um, uh, passage the 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 question becomes if it's it, i don't think well think is the wrong word i'm i can't imagine yet how it would work if you're trying to control it through a metal device right because the magnets that you're trying to control may or may not have implications there uh the and how precise you can do it because you want very precise directional magnets right so if you imagine a grate of material like say a kidney mm -hmm and you want to get through only part of it, mm. how do you really control it at a level to go through that uh, vessel versus some other part, right? There's a couple of very interesting... But I do think it's really cool. There's a couple of quite interesting parts of the um, the little 50-second looping video I'm watching where, um, in particular, yeah. it joins together pieces of wire by kind of folding back over itself to, to, to hook yep. the wire, and that's fascinating to understand. I mean, I'd love to understand actually how that how that is working it's not like somebody is just pulling a magnet along behind a sheet of plexiglass or card or paper or something um to, in order to manipulate it move it around it's it's obviously then having some kind of presumably having some kind of charge or something applied to enable it to then roll back up so i'm, I'm curious about yeah. it. yeah yeah that kind of locomotion Very locomotion cool. i i can see where nanobots as we get more sophisticated in this kind of technology, will allow that to happen, uh, where where these kind of nanobots will be able to move around without an exterior magnet. And and Andy, I'm kind of wondering if if you had this sort of thing too. I, I remember growing up, we had um, these uh, faces, like a clown face or um, a, uh, a cowboy face, and you would have a bunch of little iron filings in it, and then attached with a magnet on the string, and you could draw, drag them around and put hair. Uh, on the clown or the pirate or the whatever, oh, just a kid's toy. Did did you have something like that too? That kind of reminded me when we were uh, talking about this. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I didn't have that myself. I mean, yeah. I I wondered how I ended up with all the people in my life, but that's probably pretty much it. I just <laughs> ended up being formed by iron filings and a magnet. But yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe the scientist was. It could have been. <laughs> Um, all right, next up is Spot. Uh, we've talked about Spot a few times recently, and this particular article is talking about how Spot is being used in Pompeii to do a couple of interesting things. Uh, one, to take a look at uh, tunnels that are being dug by people that are trying to loot this uh, buried city or portions of the buried city of, of its treasures. Um, so being able to patrol and find those kind of spaces. And another aspect of this, 
kind of joining what we were talking about before is that it has a uh, flying laser scanner or laser scanner that uh, is corresponding back and forth with the walking droid to be able to pull information from above and what it can note below. So both things work in concert with one another. So I thought that was kind of cool that here you have this robot dog zipping around and it also talks back and forth to a drone that works in conjunction with it. So neat use case in a couple of different ways. Reminds me of the swarming, but the swarm of two in this case, right? You can imagine adding additional to really get a swarm type pattern to, to do the mapping that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And only only a crew of only 38 people to, to operate it. So it's quite cost effective. <laughs> you can put a burrito on the back of the spot dog and have it follow behind you and track on your yeah, legs. Deliver a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And well, you could even use, if it got lost in a crowd, then presumably the laser scanner could help to, to relocate you so Spot could still bring you the burrito. Yeah. So, uh, See, yeah, you know, that'd be amazing. All these things coming together. Uh, you know, speaking of things coming together, um, we've talked about some of the wooden cat kind of things. Nibble was our example of that. And and now we have one that's a little more, um, well, it's plastic uh, from the Tindy blog for Mars Cat, a bionic pet cat, which you in the unboxing video get to assemble you get to put the ears on it get it to stand up and it's got some neat things kind of like your Roomba so when it goes uh, oh my goodness I'm almost out of batteries it can go back to its mat and recharge so a cute little cat but it doesn't seem nearly as programmable as what we talked about last week yeah we said that as we were talking beforehand but actually it does say in the details here that it does have a raspberry pi in it so you can program it um which i'd miss of course it Um, has raspberry pi yeah um that's where all of the chips have gone is that people are taking the raspberry pi platform and using them especially the compute modules which is the, the the pi without the pins basically um or without the you know without the the you wouldn't use as a a home machine you you would use in your own projects. Um, that's where a lot of the chips have gone. It's been impossible to get the the Raspberry Pi compute modules. But um, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. It's um, it's more like the Sony Ibo, the robotic dog, and especially mm-hmm. in terms of the size. Um, Michael was saying earlier that it's not furry, which is uh, disappointing to him. But it is touch sensitive, evidently, um, and can act independently and it can bury its litter although it doesn't produce any um so <laughs> well, that's good <laughs> i'd hate yeah. to see the electronic waste to be a little batteries being, you know <laughs> i mean the movements again look remarkably uh lifelike and we've seen this previously the with the, the things like the nibble but uh yeah it's um well i was, was going to say it's a little expensive I mean, it is a little expensive but um again compared to the ivo which was much more expensive um, things are coming down in price. Yeah. I'm not sure that um, this is something that appeals to me, but you never know. I, I was just looking at the company I, that made yeah. it. It's called Elephant Robotics. So I, mm. I was looking to see if they have an elephant I, too, but they don't. I, um, I actually like the way it, it kind of face plants back into its uh, charging base. The face plant was, was, was really interesting. <laughs> it's like, I need a charge. Plop. <laughs> Well, it's clearly using it. You can see on the in the video. There's a little, uh, you know, um, uh, icon that it's following on the uh, on the base. Um, I remember when we were yeah, building yeah. Second Life stuff back in the day, where we were using markers that looked similar to that to track objects. 
um, on yeah. a, with a webcam. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's very similar. So moving along, because I, cool. I know we're getting short on time here, we've got a couple of quick hitter elements from pod, the podcasting. I guess one or two of us may have, or three of us have some experience in this. Um, Michael, anything you wanted to share about Overcast? I, I use it. I know you do too. Yeah, I've, I've been a supporter of Overcast for a few years and a user for even longer. Uh, and I was a part of the, the beta test of the new UX Mm, okay. And uh, have been really, really enjoying what uh, Marco's been doing with it. Uh, if you, if you don't mind the fact that it does not support video podcasts, uh, I think Overcast is probably one of the best ones out there. Uh, I also used to use Downcast, which does support video. Um, and uh, the the reason the, the the thing that I don't like about Overcast yet, and it's only because I'm not running Apple Silicon yet, is uh, I can't sync across to my my desktop, right, or my, my MacBook. I, I can listen to it on my watch, which I have, uh, and I, I, I like what he's doing with the new UX. Uh, just wanted to give a shout out to that. Very cool. Yeah, I, I enjoy mm, cool. it too. I don't mind the video missing because I listen to Overcast like when I'm driving in the car, and so that's kind of cool. Um. We have a, a quick piece here, too, on Spotify, another podcasting environment uh, that is testing a discovery feed. So uh, you can discover us on Spotify, too, thanks to Andy and his efforts to uh, get Games at Work on Spotify. So that's kind of cool. Um, we have uh, another interesting article here just to quickly touch on is your LinkedIn profile faces. Um, maybe computer-generated fakes, which um, mine is not. Yeah, mine, mine is, is not real. Either. Well, actually, actually, I, I heard this article on my podcast feed, uh, <laughs> which is how it nicely fits together, uh, and uh, the link will have the podcast in it. Um, this is actually about uh, the growth of outbound marketing using fake accounts mm. on LinkedIn. Yeah, and the way they've been identifying them is through the computer-generated face uh, pictures of of their profile pics. And we talked about a while back, you know, how uh, using a GAN network, you can create fairly realistic-looking people. And so this is a great example of how they uncover that they're fake by understanding the structure of the face based off of uh, certain tells that can happen in some of the pictures. Highly recommend to listen. Okay, that's, that's interesting. It's an NPR. It's an NPR story, isn't it? Yeah, I'm gonna definitely yep. go go listen to that. Um, it's it's sad but understandable that um, that the that people are finding new ways to make these things more uh, realistic and yep. focus more on marketing uh, through bots as opposed through people. Yes. <laughs> so there's your bot angle again too. Um, a uh, obligatory AR kind of thing. We have a Pokemon uh, Go article here where somebody who's been playing it so much, not one of us, but somebody else, uh, that it's actually burned into their iPhone XS screen. So they must be playing it a lot for that to happen. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out how would you use it so much that the 10X or the 10S screen would be burned in with the with the thing. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing to notice is that the screen is cracked. <laughs> in the in the yes, picture they so show obviously you, obviously that's it. So um, so that could easily be um, you know, there could be there, there's there could be damage that that has caused that to happen. Um, and it looks like it might be where it might be. I might have a screen protector as well. I don't know if that, it's possible for 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 images to be burned into the screen protector. 
backing or something. But anyway, either way, um, yeah, I'm surprised that anybody's played it that much. And then, um. and then maybe guys for our last story here, um, uh, the Dyson Zone, uh, April mm. Fool's joke or real? Get into no. the zone. Get into the zone. So these are it. it, it came out of, too many days early for April's food. You you think Fools. so? You'd think so. It came out a couple of well, it was reported on a couple of days ago as well. So again, I, I've been tracking this week to to see what, when I might get caught out. And yeah, this is a terrifying Borg like uh, attachment that goes. Is a pair of headphones with some kind of thing that goes over your mouth, like a face mask or other. Um, well, it's 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 an air filter. Yeah, it's an, an air filter it, or an air filter. <laughs> it's 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 a floor wax. Um, no, I I actually the reason I I tagged this one and I think we all saw it at one point the following week, the, this past week was um, I, I do find it still kind of comforting to have a mask on. Hmm. Right, out in public. So I, 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 I can see this being a real thing. Okay. Well, we we will find out, and so will you, in the next edition of Games at Work Biz. So come on back. We'll see. We'll see where we are with the Dyson Zone. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Send us links. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming, technology, and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network, and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz, or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. GamesAtWork.biz.